Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever. No smell of stale coffee, Ben Gay, or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like, share it across the internet, all that with your friends. It really does help. This is a free podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, please leave a comment or send me a message. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, Go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. Or if you prefer, you can watch this on YouTube whenever I get the video uploaded and edited and all that, which could be sometime at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. It's the world we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form. Should anything that I say be taken as legal investment and or advice, we highly recommend that before you make any investment and or investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. All right. We are at Always Brewing Detroit. Alwaysbrewingdetroit.com. It's Amanda Brewington. We love this space. If you haven't already, try the coffee. Lots of things. Please share. Please support the shop. This is a free event. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, what you all came out for tonight. And at any point in time, you guys can buy coffee, buy things, spend money, man. It's capitalism. It's how this thing works. Talking to sellers. Last this is part two. Talking to sellers. Part one, we went over how to generate leads cheaply. I assume you're practically just dirt poor, barely scraping by. And we went through an entire list of ways to generate leads with the least amount of money possible. Part two is talking to sellers. We got the phone to ring. Now what? Right? A lot of people, this is the worst thing in the world. Oh God, phone's ringing. Now what am I going to do? First of all, don't be afraid. Every single phone call is an opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. Okay. Don't be afraid. Return all phone calls within 24 hours preferably the same day, I know we're not all perfect at this, as close to the time they called in as possible, okay? We're going to start with that. The phone call. You have some goals on the phone call, right? Just like you have some goals in life. The goals on the phone call. When they're calling in, you need to figure out some things. Do they have equity? Are they motivated? That's what you got to figure out. There's other things you need to figure out too. But I want you to be thinking these two things, and you want to get to these two things as soon as humanly possible. Equity and motivation. What does the diagram of the phone call look like, right? I've broken it down into five parts. You have a greeting and introduction. You're going to collect some information. You're going to make your ask. You are going to decide and then you're going to make them decide, and then you're going to book the appointment. This is the initial phone call, right? So from the top, greeting and introduction, collect information, ask, decide, book the appointment. Greeting and introduction. 
There are a couple ways you can go about doing this. If you answer the call live, you do it differently than if you return the message, right? We return the message. So for convenience sake, we're going to talk about returning the message. Meaning the seller called in, they left their message either in a voicemail or to a live answering service. Do one or the other. My greeting or introduction, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I work for Steve. I'm returning your phone call from earlier today regarding the house X you called in about Monroe and Detroit. Yo, yeah, yeah. How's it going? Boom. Then I move right into what can you tell me about the house? And I shut up. This question works about 80% of the time. I go with the broad, what can you tell me about your house? Because you would be surprised what people tell you when you ask the question this way. I could just start going right down a list of questions that I have. I certainly have them all in front of me. But you'd be surprised what people tell you. And you need to know lots of information. The best way to find out information is not have to ask it specifically, right? A lot of these things are personal. If you can avoid asking them, it's better to avoid asking them. And you'll never know what they'll say. Oh, my cousin's living in it. They're renting. Well, are they really renting or not? Well, I guess they're not really renting, right? If you were to ask them the question, you may not ever get to that. They might just tell you that they got the house from their mother. They inherited the house. You didn't have to ask. How'd you get the house? How'd you buy the house? So I start with, what can you tell me about your house? And shut up. There is some information you do need though, right? On top of motivation and equity, you have to decide how much the house is worth and what work it needs. And you need to kind of establish some rough numbers on the phone. I'd say within 10 to 15%. You want to get close. Why do you want to get close? Because all your time driving costs you money. It costs you money. If you're not driving and you're hiring somebody to go out, that costs you money, right? You don't want to spend money. It's much better to spend a few minutes on the phone. You're already paying for your phone. You're already alive. You're going to be doing something that day, right? Some basic information you absolutely must have to establish an after repair value. There's more of this in the first podcast and the first wholesaling series, right? But I do want to cover it very briefly. Is it brick frame, number of beds, bath, square foot, basement, garage, style of house? And by style, I mean ranch, bungalow, colonial, split level, etc. After I do the question, what can you tell me about your house? I'm somewhere between two and three minutes. And before we're talking about what's wrong with the house, unless they volunteered the information, I want to test the waters with how motivated they are. Okay. Motivation. Less than 1% of the market, less than 1% of the market can do what you need them to do. So most of the people calling in, you cannot help and you will not make money off them. That's a fact. So you want to get to this fast, right? Within less than two minutes, ideally, I want to ask the question, what were you hoping to get? And then I shut up. Within two minutes, there's going to be lots of objections. Maybe they might tell you the number. I want to know how close I am. What are you hoping to get? I don't care what they say. Doesn't matter what they say, how close it is, whatever. What are you hoping to get? That's fine. I write it down. And now I want to put as much space between that and everything else as possible. Then I restart, collect information, continued. I have some basic information, but now I'm going to start going down the list. What work does your house need to be rent ready? If you're looking to flip, what work does your house need to be ready for the market? That's the question I ask. 
They'll start going down the list telling you everything they think. Yes, sellers lie, because guess what? Yes, humans lie. Humans lie all the time, right? But I want to establish it. I want to write it down. I want to take good notes. I'm also very interested in deferred maintenance. What is deferred maintenance? There's nothing wrong with the kitchen, but it's 30 years old. That's outdated. That's deferred maintenance. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the furnace, but it's 10 years old. There's nothing wrong with the bathroom. It's 50 years old. Or the roof is 25 years old, and there's less than five years left on it. It's going to start leaking at any point in time. That's deferred maintenance. Deferred maintenance is also old windows. There's nothing wrong with the windows. They're not leaking. They open and they work, but they're not energy efficient. It's not a modern home. It is not a modern layout. So I want to figure out what the work is, and I want to figure out, has it been updated? I'll ask questions like this. Does it look like your kitchen or bathroom has been updated in the last 20 years or not? Now, this is market-specific information, right? In Royal Oak, 20 years ain't going to cut it. Probably more like five years if you're going to be realistic how competitive that market is, right? So understand why I'm saying this. I'm talking about Detroit and mostly rental markets. That's mostly what I deal with. But if you're dealing with something different, approach it differently. You may have to ask, has the kitchen and bathroom been updated in the last 10 years? When was the house built? This is market-specific information, right? Detroit, it's pretty much easy. You have three houses, bungalow, ranch, and colonial, right? But if you're not in Detroit or if you're in the suburbs, things matter differently. I'm somewhere between four and five minutes in the conversation. If they haven't already told me, I need to know why they're selling. I have to know why. I don't want to waste any time with them. I don't want to waste their time. This is a business of numbers, right? So if they haven't told me, I'm like, why are you selling? Why are you selling? That'll be one of the questions I ask. If I don't get a good answer, I'll start, I'll start throwing water on them. Cold water, right? Have you considered listing with a real estate agent? I just want to know. Yeah, I thought about that, but I really hate them. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, you really do hate it. Good. I hate them too, you know? I don't, but I want to know. Well, yeah, I might do that. I'm probably going to do that tomorrow, but I just wanted to see what you said on the phone. Well, that's not very motivated, right? I want to know that as soon as possible, all right? If they haven't told you yet, Do they have equity? Come on in. Pull up a seat, man. Do they have equity? What do I mean by equity? As a wholesaler, and I covered this in the first part, depending on where you're at, these numbers vary. But in general, you need 35% minus the rehab. So you need to ask, do you own your house free and clear? Do you still have a mortgage? Shut up. If they have objections, overcome the objections. The objections are going to be at the end of this, by the way, right? Do you have equity? Are you motivated? Can you sell to me at the price I need to get, right? We're somewhere between five and seven minutes in the conversation. We're coming back to the ask. Remember the first ask we did around two minutes where we said, what are you hoping to get? And we just wrote that number down. We just filed it away, right? We're not looking to do anything with it at that exact moment in time. We just filed it away. Now we're down to ask part two. If I paid you all cash, Close when you wanted. What is the least you would consider? Shut up. Let them tell you something. Now, there's lots of objections people may have. The more objections they have, generally, the less motivated they are. So take note of that. I want you to work through all the objections, especially in the beginning, right? It's just practice, just free practice. Work through all of the objections. And what are you attempting to do right now on the phone? Are they motivated? Can they do what you need them to do? Do they have the equity? 
Are you close on number? You've gone through after repair value. You've collected the information. You're talking to the seller on the phone. They've told you what they want. Now it's time to look at the difference. So let's go back and say, okay, they told you $50,000. I was hoping to get $50,000. Let's say the house is worth, I don't know. Let's say it's worth $50,000. Well, Mr. Seller, I'm looking at all the sold properties around your house in the last year within a quarter mile, and it looks like your house is worth $50,000. I'm a professional real estate investor. This is how I take care of my family. We don't pay fair market value, right? Just come right out with it. Hit them with it. See what they say. I want to know. If I paid you all cash, close when you wanted, what's the least you would consider? And then a Steveism, that's what I call them, Steveism, no matter what they say, is that really the best you can do? And shut up. I've seen Steve knock $25,000 off the price of a house just by asking that question, right? Kind of feels like an asshole thing to do when you're doing it. Don't ask it like you're an asshole. Just ask it like, hey, is that really the best you can do? We don't like confronting people sometimes. We don't like doing these things. You're just asking a question. That's all you're doing. You're just asking a question. What do I want to do? I want to get to a range. They're asking 50. Let's say the house is in pretty good shape, doesn't need any work. So just for the sake for my numbers in my head, they say 30,000. I'm like, is that really the best you can do? Yeah, I'm stuck at 30,000. 30,000 will probably work. It's in my range. I will then give them a range. Yeah, that, that sounds like that sounds like a range. We're, we're somewhere between 25 and 35,000. I move to book the appointment. Why do I give them a range? First, sellers lie. They may, or they don't know they're lying too, right? Ignorance. Well, the paint looked good. Well, no, it needs new paint. Well, the roof looked good. Well, it's not. They didn't put the vents in correctly. That's not your fault. You should take it up with the people who put the roof on your house, but this needs to be addressed. So I try and build in a range. I also want my range to include where I want my price somewhere in the middle. They call this anchoring. I don't want to throw out a low number without throwing a high number. But what I'm doing is I'm anchoring expectations, right? I don't want to book an appointment, waste time, go out, look at a house, pay somebody to go out to look at a house, take pictures, which is what Steve does, right? So I don't want to spend Steve's money unless I know that this person is motivated. They have the equity. We've agreed to arrange on the phone. So if all the information is true, there's very little reason why we shouldn't be able to do a deal. I move to book the appointment. Now I need them to decide, right? Mental checklist. Do I want this house? This house in the range? Are they motivated? Do they have the equity? Book it. Sounds like we are close. What time tomorrow can I come out and take a look at your house and give you a fair all cash offer? I will assume the close. I'll go right in. Yes, Mr. Seller, Mr. Smith. The range we're looking at this house is somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five thousand. So it sounds like we're close. I will immediately move into. Sounds like we're close. What time tomorrow can I come out and take a look at your house and give you a real fair all cash offer? If they hesitate at all, I go. Does noon work? I'll suggest a time. I'm being aggressive. I want them to decide. I want to decide now. I'm going to be pushy now. I'm going to be aggressive now. Because I want them to decide now if they're, if they're giving me any hesitation, right? There, we have objections at the end too, right? Overcoming the objections. I'm going to go all over all the objections at the end. All right. Book the appointment. 
After you book the appointment, an hour before the appointment, I always call to confirm the appointment. I don't leave. I don't send somebody out unless they confirm the appointment. I also tell them that on the phone call too. Is this the best number I could reach you at? All right, good. An hour before the meet, an hour before our appointment, I'm going to call to confirm the appointment. If I don't hear back from you, we don't come. It's important you get back to me. I'm setting the expectation, right? I'm also doing what I say I'm going to do. You book the appointment. You go through the house. What are you doing at the house? You're doing two things. Hopefully, the seller's there. You're doing your best, or your employee is, or whatever, to establish rapport. Conversational. Being honest. I'm also verifying all the information they told me over the phone. I do this because this tells me what kind of seller I'm working with, right? If you got the, well, paint and carpet, and you walk in, and it ain't no paint and carpet house, you know? Where's the kitchen? Oh, yeah, I I forgot about that. Okay. You you know what kind of person you're dealing with, right? If you go into it and everything they said was true, man, you you got a deal probably. You you got a deal. If it's not true, you might still have a deal, but you might want to approach them a different way. If I start walking through and notice things they didn't tell me, I point it out. This is also called anchoring, though. If you just go through the house and point out everything that's wrong, That is less effective than going through the house and pointing out things that are good and things that are wrong. When you point out something good, you legitimize the thing that is wrong, right? It doesn't feel like a tactic, and it also happens to be the truth, which works pretty well most of the time, right? You're going through the house. The goal is to get through the house 20 minutes or less. Verify the work it needs. See if your offer is where it needs to be, right? Now, I approach sellers two ways. I'm not saying these are the only two ways. This is the way I have done it. If you have a super motivated seller, make the offer while you're there. Have the purchase and sale agreement while you're there. Make the offer. Get them to sign while they're there. I would say this is a small percentage of people for me. We don't do it hardly at all now, unless one of us goes on the appointment. Not usually, but I'm assuming you're going to be going on your appointments, right? What am I talking about with a motivated, a super motivated seller? You know when you're talking on the phone, they are going to sell this house to somebody in the next couple of days. You can hear it in their voice. I'm just done. I'm tired. I don't even care what I get. If I just get what I have into it or most of it, or I don't know, I just want to be done, that's when you go prepared. That isn't most people. There are levels of motivation, and all sorts of motivation gets deals done. But that one, you want to strike fast because the first person that puts a PA in front of them, they are very likely to sign, right? But that's a small percentage. Most of them, I make the offer the next day. Why do I do that? If you don't do this business full time or if you're new or if you're just some lay person, it seems crazy that you can walk through a house in 10 to 20 minutes, know exactly how much you're willing to pay for it and move the closing. That will scare some people. A common reaction a lot of people will have, I'm selling it too cheap. When you move too fast, I'm selling it to you. You know that kind of person, right? Think they're sitting on gold. They really think they're sitting on gold because you're good at your job. They, it's like a brain malfunction. They go, oh, I'm selling too cheap. There's no way they can tell in 10, 15 minutes that's what it is. That's why, for the most part, I delay for a day. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's how I've done it. It's how I've tested it. That has worked for me. How do we make the offer? How do we make the offer? This is why I gave a range over the phone, right? And the range I gave them over the phone, where I think my offer is going to be, 
I want it to be somewhere in the middle, right? Because they're thinking, oh, I don't want it to be that low. Oh, I don't want it to be. It's, I really want that high number. Well, I, I can't tell you it's going to be that high number. It's probably somewhere in the middle. What time tomorrow can I come out and take a look at your house? They're already expecting it. I've anchored a low number. I've anchored a high number. I'm shooting for the middle. What do you do when they lie to you, though, right? Well, you've already gone through the house and pointed that out. So if they've lied to you or they've been ignorant about work that needs to be done, you need to address that right out of the gate. Mr. Smith. Yeah. Hi, it's Jeremy. Steve finally got back to me with, with, uh, with the offer. I do want to point out it's lower than what we said over the phone. It's going to be 20,000. Now I want to put as much space between that 20,000 and the ask as I can, right? 20,000. Oh my, you told me 25 to 30, 20,000. And here's why. It needs a roof. I know it doesn't look like it needs a roof. I'll immediately give them a reason why, right? It's lower than we said because it needs a roof. I know you didn't know it needs a roof. Those vents aren't done right. Whatever it is, right? You're not coming out to deceive them. You're not trying to get the offer as low as you can. You're basing this offer based on the information they give you. If the information isn't accurate, you need to lead with that, right? Lead with it. The offer is lower than what I said over the phone, 20000 and here's why, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, I lead right into it. Mr. Smith, my offer is lower than we expected, $20,000, and here's why. Let's say it's not, though, right? It's exactly, these are the best deals, right? You're within a range, you're within a few thousand. Seller's relatively motivated. They want to do something with the property. They've told you the truth about everything. They've agreed to a range online they're very or on the phone they're very likely to say yes i will leave with mr smith my offer is remember we're going to target 30,000 because we said 25 to 35,000 my offer is 30,000 the house needs a roof windows carpet paint whatever it needs i'm going to put some distance between my offer and the ask and i'm going to provide evidence in between and I'd like to end with something that, does that sound fair? Shut up. See what they say. Obviously, in both cases, whether you're doing this over the phone and emailing them a purchase and sale agreement, or you're doing this in person, once they agree, this is when you become a maniac, right? If they agree, they really haven't done anything, have they? Okay. How many times has somebody told you they're going to do something and then they don't do it? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a signed purchase and sale agreement, you don't have shit. They agree to it. You're like a hound dog. You're all over that thing. You're covering up. You're calling. You're texting. You're emailing. If I have to, I, old person can't figure out the fact. I'm driving. Where can I meet you today? Burger King? Sounds great. I'll be there in an hour. I don't care. This is the part people screw up. The next person might call. No, 25 or 20,000. No, I give you 25,000 for that. Why? Because your lazy ass didn't hound them down. You don't have anything yet. It's like you're playing the game of football. You ran all the way in. You stopped at the one-yard line. And you took a break. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. Once you got them, get all over them. That being said, all that's easier said than done, right? Sellers obviously have what we call objections. In the industry, we call these objections. And these objections fall into certain categories, right? I don't know if these are professional categories, people. I didn't go to college or anything like that, right? I just hit the phones, learn from Steve, learn from a bunch of guys, right? 
Here are some basic objections. The acquiring information objective. I'm not going to tell you that. When you ask the seller, is your house free and clear or do you still have a mortgage? I'm not going to tell you that. You ask him, how much is the house rented for? I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. How do you handle these objections? I'm not going to tell you that or the combination of I'm not going to tell you that. That's private. I don't feel comfortable, whatever. Here's what I say. I understand that it's personal, but this information, this is information we need to make you a fair all cash offer. And then I'll immediately restate the question. Is your house free and clear? Do you own a mortgage or do you have a mortgage? Right? They still give me some grief. They're not that motivated. I say, call me back when you feel more comfortable sharing important information. All right. Another objection, acquiring information objection. You sent me the postcard or letter. Get that one a lot. You sent me the postcard. You tell me. I thought you knew. Yeah, like I get x-ray vision. I see through your house, too. I know everything that's wrong about it. What I did was, no, I broke into your window and looked at everything. We get this a lot, right? Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we got your information from public records, which isn't always accurate. I need to verify this information. And then I'll immediately restate the question. Whenever I overcome an objection, I restate the question. Assume the close. Assume that I just assume they're going to tell me everything I fucking need to know. And I act like it when I'm talking to them. I just act like it. They tell you. And if they don't, I start going through these objections, right? We are looking to buy more houses in your neighborhood. So we mailed the houses in your neighborhood that we're interested in, and we need to verify the information. Do you own your house free and clear, or do you have a mortgage? Restate the question afterwards. Most common ones, price objections, right? Oh, Lord, the price. The price is so low. I'm not going to give you my house. I'm not going to give my house away. How many times do you hear that? Hear that one a lot? Yeah, I'm not going to give my house away. I like to say a joke in a situation like this. Why not? All the cool kids are. <laughs> they start laughing. I'm like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, I don't expect you to give us the house. I expect everybody to do what's in their best interest. Restate the question. Right? Crack a joke. Restate the question. Right? Why don't you come take a look at it and make an offer? That's a price objection. Right? They did, you asked. What are you hoping to get? Or... Maybe you're at the second ask. If I paid you all cash, close when you want it. What's the least you would consider? Why don't you come out and take a look at it and make me an offer? I need to follow procedure and collect some information before I can make an appointment. Immediately restate the question. I paid you all cash, close when you want it. What's the least you consider? They don't like that. I'm not allowed to book an appointment without this information. Sounds like we're close, but I need this information before we can book the appointment. Restate the question. If I paid you all cash, close when you want, what's the least you consider? I want you to think of this thing as a conveyor belt. It's a conveyor belt. You're trying to control the conversation. Your seller, every time they have an objection, they're hopping off the conveyor belt. And you overcome these objections by getting them back on the conveyor belt, right? And what are you really trying to do? Trying to make them decide. That's what you're really trying to do. You're not trying, you're not manipulating anybody into anything. You're trying to make them make a decision. It's not like you can make them do anything anyway. No, do it. No, I'm not going to. It's not how it works, right? But there's some human psychology here where you do need to make them decide. Finally, last and least, if that doesn't work, call me back when you have this information available.
It's called a takeaway. I like the takeaway. If I'm getting too much grief, too much, they're not answering. I've gone around. I've gone round, round robin a couple times on these things. I'll just pull the whole thing and see what they say. And if they're not interested at that point, that's probably in the conversation, right? If they are, get them back on the conveyor belt. Another price objection. Why can't you give me an offer over the phone? Yeah, we just do everything over the phone, right? That's how they bought their house. Of course not. I've tried that stuff too. Don't point out to them that's not how they would do it. That shit does not work at all. <laughs> I've tried it in a lot of different ways. You get yelled at. You get screamed at. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work, right? You need to be a little bit more subtle than that. I can give you a range over the phone, but without actually seeing the house, that's all I can do. What time tomorrow is convenient for me to come out, take a look at the house, and make you a fair all-cash offer? Immediately restate the question. If that doesn't work, you wouldn't buy a car you didn't look at or you didn't test drive, right? What time tomorrow can I come out and take a look at the house so I can make you a fair all-cash offer? Immediately restate the question, right? I was just hoping you would give me an offer. I would love to, but I need to collect more information before I can. Restate the question. You can also throw in, we got your information from public records, which isn't always accurate. I need to verify that information to book an appointment so I can make you an all-fair cash offer. See how we're starting to combine these things together, right? Get them back on the... What are we talking about here, folks? We're talking about buying your house, Mr. Seller, and you're throwing sand in my face. Do you want to do this or not? But we can't say that. We got to walk them through it like this, right? Delay and deferring to authority, right? I need to think about it. I need to talk to my wife about it. I need to talk to my 16 heirs about it. I need to, I need to pray about it. Whatever it is, that's a delay, right? Delay or defer authority means the same thing to you. I'm really aggressive about this. Why? Why? What more information do you need to know? Well, I need to talk to my wife. Does your wife trust you? Yeah. I love my wife. We talk about everything. I trust her to make all these decisions. I'm sure it's the same with you. That doesn't work. That's pretty aggressive for you. Why not now? Let's take time out of the equation. You want to do the deal. We want to do the deal. I know your wife wants to do the deal or your husband wants to do the deal. Why not now? Why am I asking this? Seldom do they need to talk to their wife. If you're married and Gia and I have been through some tough times, right? And not gone along and not talked. Do you get to make any decision without talking to him? Do you even make the phone call without having already talked about it? Already have an idea? Odds are very high, not always, odds are very high, they're just throwing sand in your face. For whatever reason, they don't want to make this, they don't need to talk to their spouse. Odds are they already have talked to their spouse. So when I ask this, I'm trying to get to what their real objection is. What is their real objection? So I'm going to ask why. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to push. I'm going to make them give, make them make a decision. I may even say something like this. You and I both know that if we hang up the phone, you're probably never going to call me back. Let's take time out of the equation. Why not now? What's your email address? Send the purchase and sale agreement over. Same thing. They don't have a problem with solving the problem now. There's something about you they don't like. There's something about the offer they don't like. There's something about how their day went wrong. There's something like that. It has nothing to do 
with deferring or waiting or needing to think about it, right? That being said, how many times you get pushed off anyway, right? These people are practiced. Got these people calling them all the time. We got how many years now? 70, 70, 80 years of commercials, radio commercial. I mean, these, these are seasoned pros. You are very likely to go through all this, get the phone hung up on you, told to fuck off, all these things, or still get the delay, right? You did your best. You went right at them. You're hardcore. You tried to pin them down. But you know what? They're pros. They wiggle out. That's what happens. These consumers are smart. There's lots of ways out, right? Okay. How long do you need to think about it? Ah, two days. When should I call you if I haven't already heard back from you? When should I call you if I haven't already heard back from you? I'm making them decide again. Ah, Tuesday. Okay, what time Tuesday? Anytime Tuesday. Would 1 p.m. on Tuesday work for you? I'm looking for commitment here, right? They might hang up on you, whatever. I want to be aggressive the entire way, right? Be aggressive. And this is not manipulation, folks. You're getting people to make decisions and you're trying, you're act, you're like a detective. You're a motivation, equity, getting the deal done detective. In a world where most people lie about what they want and what they think and what's important to them, right? And you're sifting through these lies, trying to find some truth so you can solve their problem. If you can't solve their problem, they're not going to do business with you, right? So think about it that way if you're struggling. Counters. You're very likely to get counters. I don't know if a counter is really an objection. I think it is. I don't know. We can call it negotiations, whatever. But you're going to be talking to them, right? You just blizzard, just went through a blizzard of objections, throwing them out. You finally got them in. Well, I was really hoping to get 25000 I know you said twenty. I was really hoping to get 25000 I really wanted to get 25000 Mr. Smith, I would if not for... I would, if not for, boom, needs a roof, needs paint, needs carpet, whatever it is. Mr. Seller, I'm not buying your house for $20,000. Mr. Seller, your house needs $17,000 of work. By the time I'm done paying closing costs, I'm actually paying $40,000 for your house. $20,000 of fair offer. Push it back over, send it back over to him, right? Objection, overcome that objection, number one. Here's another one. We're investors. We can't pay fair market value. This is how we take care of our family. Steve has five kids, so I always like to bring that up, man. Steve's got five kids to feed. This is how we did, you know, fair market value. Have you considered listing with a realtor? See how we can tie some of these back in again? Have you considered listing with a realtor? Do a takeaway. No, I really don't want to do that. All right, I got him, right? They're still delaying. Mr. Seller, Mr. Smith, we close fast. We pay all cash. We take care of all the paperwork with the title company. No commissions. We're not going to walk 100 people through your house. All the pictures aren't going to be online for everybody in the world to see. Whatever your unique selling proposition is, no contingency. When I sign, we're done. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, boom, put them back in, put the offer right back in front of them. Now, here's some ways you can combine these things, right? There's combinations for these things. Mr. Smith, how much were you hoping to get? Oh, I'd like to get 
I'd like to get 50,000. All right. Uh, if I paid you all cash and closing you one, what's the least you would consider? Why not throw them together? Why not mix it up? Oh, I don't know. 40,000. Is that really the best you can do? Is that really the best you can do? We pay all cash, close fast, take care of all the paperwork. See how we can kind of just, you need to practice these things. You need to practice these things. Here's some general objection rebuttals on price too that I throw in. Because I really want them to give me a price as fast as I can, right? Well, I don't know. How much are you hoping to get, Mr. and Mrs. Seller? I don't know. How much are you willing to offer? I'm not sure. What's the right price for you? <laughs> I like throwing that one out there. I don't know. What is the right price? What would make you say yes? And then if it's a ridiculous number, you know it's worth 50000 They say 80000 You're like, oh, man, I'm less than half that. Just see what they say. That's a Steveism right there, too. Oh, man, I'm less than half that. Yeah, that's, that's a hardcore temperature check right there, folks. You might want to be careful when you're using that one. There's no Vaseline spit, nothing on that. Just going right at it, right? All right? They still giving me grief. Well, you don't want to lose money. How much do you have into the house? I ask this question like I own the place. You're not gonna you're not gonna get the answer to this question if you don't ask it like you're their best friend or you're concerned because you are, right? You want to get the deal done, you want to help them out. You need this information to move forward, right? This ain't a charity, it's a business. We need to help as many people as we can, which means we need to waste as few people's time as possible so we can help more of the real people, right? How much do you still owe on your mortgage? What are your payments? Be direct. Be direct. Now, Steve, how do you feel about just giving me endless amounts of grief? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unmute the mic. Steve is going to be <laughs> the uncooperative seller, okay? He's gonna put me. He's gonna put me through, and I'm just gonna call him Steve, okay? Because that's the way Steve. So, now, in our particular situation, they call in to a live answer service, right? They leave all the information, so I have a ton of information before I even call them, right? All right, you ready? Yep. Hi, Steve. My name's Jeremy. I work for Steve. I'm returning your message from earlier today regarding the house in Detroit on Gardenia. Yeah, I got I got this postcard. I just thought I'd call and see what you had to say. Yeah. Well, what can you tell me about your house? Well, I mean, you you mailed me the postcard. What you sh- you specifically asked about this house? Yeah. No. No. I, I understand. We're very interested in your house. We're buying more houses in the area. We pulled your information from public records, which you know isn't always accurate, and we need to verify that information to make you a fair all cash offer. What can you tell me about your house, Steve? Uh, I don't know. It's brick. What what do you need to know? Well, it's brick. Uh, well, how many bedrooms, baths? What's the layout look like? Well, it's three bedrooms, two bathrooms. There's one upstairs. There's one on the main floor. There's two bedrooms downstairs, one upstairs. Sounds nice. How much were you hoping to get, Steve? Well, um, I looked online and it says 50000 So if- I'd love to get about 50000 for it. 50000 Let me see. All right. Does your house need any work 
to be rent ready or is there any deferred maintenance? Well, it's rented now. Okay. How much is it rented for? Six hundred. Six hundred dollars. Why so low, Steve? You're a generous man. I'll do that a lot. If they're rented yeah. too low, I'll say you're a generous man or a woman. Why are you so generous, Steve? What do you mean? It's, I'm getting that's good rent, isn't it? Six hundred. Market rent's more like seven fifty to eight hundred a month. Uh, you're being very generous with your tenant. I hope they send you nice Christmas presents. Well, I'm happy when they send me rent. That works. Is, does your house need any work to your wherever? How long have your tenants been in there? Um, this they've been there a couple of years, I guess, about a year and a half, maybe. Um, no, it's it's in good shape. I mean, it's rented. It's in good condition. They pay on time. Usually. Usually. Do you have receipts or anything like that? Signed lease? I have a lease. Okay. No receipts, uh, no proof of payment, bank statements? Oh, I don't know. I probably have something. What are you selling, Steve? Well, I got this postcard. Okay, but what made you think about calling? Because it said you pay top dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Steve sends out those. Well, uh, Steve... My boss, he's a professional real estate investor. This is how he feeds. He's got five kids. This is how he feeds his family. We can't pay fair market value. That being said, we can make you an all-cash offer, close fast, take care of all the paperwork. If I paid you cash, close whenever you want it. What's the least you consider, Steve? Oh, the least. I don't know. You can't pay me 50 It says it's worth 50 well, I understand it's worth 50 but we can't pay fair market value, Steve. I don't know. How much do you have into it? I know you don't want to lose any money. Oh, I've had it for 35 years. Oh, is it free and clear or do you still have a mortgage? Yeah, it's free and clear. Okay, so it is free and clear. Well, if I paid you all cash, close when you wanted, what's the least you consider? We take care of everything. No commissions. No real estate agents. You're not going to have 100 people walking through your house. Well, can't you just make me an offer? I mean, you're the expert here. That's why I called. You Can't you just make me an offer? You have a lot of info. Well, I can give you a range, but uh, without being able to get into it or see or anything else like that. Um, Why don't you just drive by it and take a look at it? <laughs> oh, yeah, we get that one a lot. <laughs> this is where I defer authority. I have procedures I need to follow, Steve, in order for me to book an appointment and make you a fair all-cash offer. I have to follow these procedures. One of these procedures is I need to know how much you want. I paid you all cash, close when you wanted. What's the least you would consider? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just make an offer. I was thinking about half that. Half what? Half to fifty. We're like twenty-five. Oh, but I'm getting six hundred a month. That's that's good. Good money. I know you're a generous man, Steve. But your house should be rented for seven fifty to eight hundred a month. Well, it's six. That's six thousand a month or six thousand a year. You'll have it paid off in in no time. Sure. And, uh, they don't ever mention taxes, insurance, water, any of that stuff. So they just add the rent up for the whole year, and, and they tell you that all the time. So that's why I threw that one in there. Steve, my boss, is a professional real estate investor. He doesn't manage these properties himself. He doesn't take care of them himself. He has a property management company. He has procedures he follows. I understand that you're probably doing it in an excellent way that works for you, but we're a mid-sized company, and I have to follow procedure in order to book an appointment. Are you willing to consider an offer? Less than $25,000. I don't know. Maybe uh, 25000 I think I could do, but I don't know about any less. Not any less. Is that really the best you can do, Steve? All cash, close fast, take care of all the paperwork, no commissions. 
Why don't you come take a look at it? All right. What time tomorrow works best for you, Steve? How's 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock sounds great. Is this the best number to reach you at? Yep. This is my cell. All right. So I'm going to book you for 10 o'clock tomorrow. Our property scout, Brian's going to come out. I'm going to call you an hour before. So we have a 10 o'clock appointment. I'm going to call you on this number at 9 a.m. to confirm the appointment. If I don't hear back from you, we don't leave. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Steve, this is my cell number too. So if anything comes up between now and then, give me a call, shoot me a text, let me know. If I don't answer, means I'm on the phone asleep or dead. And there we go. Right. (laughs) Do you see how I just objection? Steve, really phone calls generally aren't that tough, right? They're not. But I wanted to show you how he can just throw a ton of stuff at you and you can just mix and match all these different things. Now, they might not say it exactly like that, but every time they say no or they give you a reason why, you want to try and categorize in your head what that reason is. What is that reason? Is it a price reason? If it's a price reason, you have your price objections right in front of you and you start going down the list. You pick the ones that best suit the person you're dealing with. If they start giving you acquiring information objections, you have your objection list right in front of you. You go, I don't feel comfortable telling you that. And you go, oh, that's an information objection. And you go, I understand that it's personal, but this information, this is information we need to make you a fair all-cash offer. Do you own your house free and clear? Or you still have a mortgage. Always restate the question after the objective. Always. Mix and match, right? You're going you're gonna to get at least three to, three to five objections unless you have a super motivated person. And then you might be getting set up to get robbed or something like that. I mean, this is Detroit, right? Be careful, folks. But generally, you're going to have three to five objections before you get to a price and or book an appointment, right? So I recommend, I will be putting this in a book. You can also write down, you can also listen to this. This will all be available online. The recording will be available online tonight. It'll probably take me a couple days to get the book up with the link. You print these things off. And you're listening to the conversation like, okay, what is the structure of the conversation again? Let's go back and review. Greeting and introduction, collect information, ask, decide, book appointment, right? So this is, this is how the conversation is going to go. You're going to do your best to stay in control of the conversation. Being in control of the conversation is talking as little as possible. Think of it like an art. The least amount of talking you can do the better. They didn't call in to hear you talk. You need, to, you need to listen to what they say, right? How are you going to get this deal done? First, they have to be able to do it. Are they motivated? Do they have equity? Then you have to be able to solve their problem, which is listening. And overcoming objections is helping them decide, right? So all this stuff that's going on in your mind, because you may go talk to your civilian friends about this stuff. They look at you like you're crazy, right? Oh, sales, that's a hard racket, right? Isn't that manipulation? You're trying to make them decide, right? All right. Let's address fear briefly. I don't want to beat it to death too much. Wholesaling. This is a numbers and a skill game, right? Which means this is an even playing field. What you lack in skills, you can make up for in numbers. What you lack in numbers, you can make up for with skill. 
What makes you afraid? For me, it's generally not knowing what to do, right? If I knew what to do in every situation and I knew it would work or give me the best chance of working, I would be a lot less scared or afraid, right? The phone won't kill you. There's nothing these sellers can do to you. There's nothing they can do to you, right? You're on the phone. You want to help as many people as you can. If you don't think of it as help, you're already going to lose, right? The money is to buy a product from the help. You don't want to waste their time. You want to, don't want to waste their time because you want to talk to as many people who you can help as possible. This is how it works in my mind. This is how I get through it, picking up the phone, getting yelled at. You're going to get yelled at sometimes. They're going to tell you some nasty things. They're going to lie to you. They're going to, these are human beings we're dealing with. And actually, if you've never been in this situation, which I have, I have had to sell. What, what is a motivated seller? We'll briefly go over this. A motivated seller is someone who must sell. If they don't have to sell, they're not motivated. They must sell. I had to sell. I didn't have a choice. Had to go to court. Court said, you're going to sell. Can't put that on the ML. I mean, come on. Does it, what choice did I have? I had to sell. I had a private lender been waiting for years and gone through court. I had to sell. I sold for less than half of what I had into it. Why? Because I had to. And you know what? I was damn happy to do it too. Private lender was happy to get some of the money back. I was happy to be done with the courts. I didn't have to deal with this anymore. This chapter of my life was closed. I can move on. That's what you're doing for people. That's what you're doing for people. If that's what you're doing for people, why are you scared to pick up the phone? You scared to help starving homeless people? You scared to help single moms? Are you scared to help your neighbors or your church members or your family members or your friends? I don't see why you would, especially if you're honest. I want to talk about things. If I start getting too many objections or if I feel there's a level of sophistication on the phone where I don't have to do all this, I'll just go right for it. I've had people call in. Well, how do you figure out how much to offer? I know you guys need a discount. Oh, okay. I'll just go right for it. How it normally works is we figure out what your house is worth. Like, looks like your house is worth about $100,000 if it was perfect. So our offer would be $65,000 minus whatever work it needs. Oh, that seems like a lot. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, my boss is a professional real estate investor. This is how he takes care of his kids. This is how he makes money. It's a business, not a charity. We'd love to help you out. Why not lead with the truth? Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you're doing. Practice. Practice and role play, right? One of my favorite things, especially in the beginning when I was first learning how to do all this with Steve, I would set goals for how long I can keep somebody on the phone. I didn't care where it was going. I know I needed practice, right? So I just start going through my objections. Need practice. Steve and I, we would practice. Like, what objections are you getting? We write it on the board. We start going through the objections. You guys are partners. You can sit down every day and for 30 minutes go, okay, I want you to be Mr. Difficult Seller. And you got your flashcards in front of you. And like, all right, if you do this and then you listen for what the objection is, I need to think about it. Why? Why do you need to think about it? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. What don't you like? Me, the price. What was the other? Yeah. 
Something like that, right? Be aggressive about it. And then Steve told me this. I'm sure it's not his, but this business is all about copying and stealing all the shit that does work really well, right? Some will, some won't, some, so what? Someone's waiting, right? Some will, some won't, so what? Someone is waiting. If you don't want to be afraid, realize that you're helping people. Practice, practice, practice. Overcoming objections, practice having these conversations. Be honest, tell people what you're doing. Call to action. Make them make a decision. That being said, I am now open for questions. Who has a question? You got to come up to this mic for the question. We have, looks like about 12, 13 minutes. I can go a little longer. Who has any questions about, uh, you got to come up to the mic. Thank you, by the way. What do you do in terms of safety? Safety. Uh, part of, so when I'm talking to sellers, that's a great question. So the question is, what do you do about safety, right? First, the world's not fair, right? If you're a woman, you're already just more at risk, right? There's no pro- there's probably never going to be changing that. So I'm not a woman. I don't know what that is. But I have narrowly avoided several times being robbed in Detroit. Okay, so it starts with the seller on the phone. If they're lying to me about anything, I'm automatically more careful, right? If I show up to the house, before I get out of my car, because I do a lot of deals in Detroit, before I get out of my car, I just look. I look around. I look at the neighborhood. I wear a shirt, a tie, just like this. I look, and I just, I have a camera, and I'm working. I look like a professional. I scan the neighborhood, looks okay, and I start moving fast. Anybody that comes out to talk to me or looks suspicious or anything like that, I will generally approach them and hand them a card. Hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm interested in buying houses. I work from, this is my boss, Steve. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Probably wondering what I'm doing, right? Got a card. Oh, somebody knows I'm here. Somebody knows I'm here. Work fast. Work fast. And I would say if you feel uncomfortable, bail. Can't spend any money dead. Right? It's not going to do anybody any good. It's not a deal. If you're dead. Now, I was at a house in Detroit off of Finkel. I can't remember where. And, man, I knew it was a bad situation right away. And I probably should have just left. But it was a very motivated seller. And I wasn't sure they were setting me up, but there's something about the neighbors across the street. So I just got out. I said, Gina, pay attention. I started working fast, right? I start taking pictures. They come up to me. Don't take my picture, man. I just keep walking. Oh, I didn't get you in the picture. Delete my picture. I just walked away. Start taking pictures as fast as I can. Just pretending like they weren't even there. Just walk right past them. Walked right into the house of the seller. Oh, they walk right back across the street, right? Did everything I need to do in the house. I was looking out the window. I saw they were looking at me out the window. I went outside because I had to check something else. When I walk around the side, I saw them start walking. I immediately turned back around, went back in the house. They crossed back across the street. So then I just came out of the house, went right into the car, left. And then I wasn't convinced the seller wasn't setting me up. So I called them back and said, we're not interested. 
right? It was a weird situation too. He told me it was rented and then she was calling him honey, but there was bags everywhere and a mattress on the floor and shit like that. I mean, you see some weird stuff in Detroit and there's a lot of poor people, but that was just one too many coincidences in a row for, for me. So, um, I would make it your highest priority. I would, I would be careful or maybe just avoid Detroit Go in daylight hours. I always do daylight. I don't go at night. I confirm the appointment before I have business cards. I look professional. They know people know I'm coming. Yeah. You can't get pictures at night anyway. Right. I don't agree to meet a seller at night ever. What am I going to do? Unless it's a sign of purchase and sale agreement. And then we can meet at a place like always brewing Detroit. Come to my house. New. There's a Burger King right up the street. Do you mind meeting there? I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Okay. There we go. Does that answer your question? All right. Who else got a question? I know you do. Come on up. Quickly, this is radio. How do you determine the price for the house? After repair value? I look at sold comps. So... All that information we collected about the house. All right, so I'm going to go back here. Brick frame, number of beds, number of baths, square foot, basement, garage, style. That'll probably get me within 10%, right? If I know all that information, I'm within 10%. And then I have access to the MLS because it is the best source of information there is. And I start at 90 days. I start at a quarter mile in 90 days. And using the MLS, I can input this information in. So if it's a brick house, I can click brick, and I can only look at bricks. If it's three bedrooms, I can click three bedrooms and only look at three bedrooms. I can click basement. You see where I'm going with this. Sometimes 90 days isn't long enough, especially in some areas of Detroit. There hasn't been any sales in a year within a quarter of a mile. So what I do is I expand time first. I go from I want to stay within a quarter of a mile without crossing any major road. Within 90 days. If that doesn't work, I stay within a quarter of a mile, and I go 180 days. If that doesn't work, I go 365 days within a quarter of a mile. Sometimes, in some areas of Detroit, that's still not good enough. And then I will increase to a half mile and start back at 90, 90 days. And then do the same thing in reverse. Right Now, I can do this pretty quick, but in the beginning, it does take a fair amount of practice. And what I would recommend doing is if you're new, that's the point of meetings like this. If you're a decent human being and you treat people nice, you come to a meeting like this and you get some cards, you probably have some sort of uh, rapport built up where you can call. I know you can call me and I'll look real fast, right? You can't do it all the time unless you're going to pay me money, right? Unless you're going to pay my bills, feed my family. But if I can do something to help somebody out in a minute or two, I would. I know Steve would. I know most people would. Or what I did in the very, very beginning was I paid real estate agents. Like, hey, man, I'll give you 50 bucks. Could you pull some comps for me? A lot of times, they'll just pull the comps for me. But I, I never ask anybody to do anything for free. I have, I have a rule about that. If you want to get paid, don't ask other people to do things without getting paid, right? I'll do lots of things for free, but you can't come at me expecting them to do free, right? So... I offered to pay. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. It was up to them. And they would pull them for me. But what I do is I have them pull all of them, and then I would look through them myself. I don't want somebody to sort them for me. I want to look through, right? 
That being said, it's not always available, right? Sometimes you don't have a choice. If I have to make a quick on the phone, I'm not going to look up comps. I'm not even going to look. I'm going to look at Zillow and Epraisal. I'm going to divide the two and I'm going to go with that number. That is not the way to do it, but sometimes I'm just, hey, are they motivated? Are we close? All right. And if I book an appointment, then I'll go back and look at the comps and see if I fucked up. If I'm really off, then I'll call them back. Hey, man, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I was looking at this. I didn't want to keep this appointment and waste your time. I was looking at this number. It was this number. It's easier to do than you think, right? I've looked at the wrong number too before. When you look at 80,000, you realize it should have been 50,000 and you got to call them back. We're human, right? Mistakes happen. But if I, if I just have to go with a number, I will do a Zillow and appraisal and kind of divide them by the two. Also, Zillow has, you can kind of pick the comps too, but um, do the best you can. All right. Any other questions? Or I'm sorry, Keith, does that answer your question? Okay. Thank you. Um, how do you refer your leads that you can't use to realtors? Email. Yeah, just email it to them. So um, I have an established relationship though, right? So you're going to want, the question is, I'm sorry, I'm bad at that. The question is, how do you refer the leads you can't or don't want to do anything with uh, to real estate agents or realtors, right? Um, find a realtor that's interested in working your leads. They come to RDI all the time. I know Joe Delia will. He, that man, you can't get that man to shut up about real estate. He'll talk, I, I bet he'll talk about real estate when his wife's having his baby. He'll be talking to the nurse about, you're thinking about buying a house? That's good. Push, right? You know, if you send their leads to me, I can give you a nice prep. He just would, right? Now, that's maybe a little too crazy, but realtors come, real estate agents come. Um, I like Joe Delia. There's, there's lots of them. They all do it differently, somewhere between 10 or 20% referral. In order to get that referral fee, though, you generally have to be licensed, they got rules about that, and now they got even more rules about that because for whatever reason, more paper will help people, and especially if you write on this paper and put it in front of them. It solves problems. Of course, it does none of that shit, but it all costs more money. It takes more time, right? So refer them to an agent. I do it via email too. No he said, she said, that kind of thing. And then if you're going to do it, I send them as all the information I have. Because that's what I want people to do for me, too. If I'm going to work a lead, there's a bare minimum information I need. Like, if you want to send me a lead and work it and I'll pay you, I need a name, full name, first, last name, email address, phone number, house address. That's what I want. That's the bare minimum. You don't send me that. I'm not doing anything. That's the bare minimum. But if I'm going to refer it out, I want to send them everything. Because I already took the time to talk to them. I'll copy my notes and send it to them, too. I'll put everything in there. Why? Helps them out. Helps them out, helps me out. Plus, it makes me look good. Helps a higher standard. They're more likely to work my leads if I make it easy for them to. That kind of thing. So, seller doesn't have to answer all the same questions. Excellent point, Steve. Thank you. Uh, saves time, makes it more convenient for everybody. Any other questions? Going once. Any other questions? Going twice. Does anybody want to practice with me? I could be a difficult seller for five minutes and you can just practice objections with me. Going once, going twice, sold. All right. If you have any other questions tonight, too bad. All right. I'm just kidding. You can ask me afterwards if you want to. Um, 
basically, don't be scared, folks. There's nothing to be scared about. The more you practice, the more you know. You're helping them. You're saving their time. You're helping friends, church members, family members, all that. You're helping them make a decision. You're being honest and a good person. And you're practicing so you're not afraid of what to say when they say something. Because you have nothing to be afraid of when you're prepared and you know what they're going to say. All right? Closing. If you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, please share it. Share it across the Internet. Tell everybody. I know you found about this about on Meetup or Facebook. The sharing, the liking, the input, it, re- it really does help. If you have any comments or suggestions, let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com, Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up personally on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer, hello, YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap this up, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, bad starts in life, a lot of shit you don't know, a lot of things keeping you from starting or continuing your goals. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you close to your goals, even if it's one step. Thank you for coming out tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who had questions. I really, really appreciate it. This is so much harder to do by yourself, by the way, if you're just sitting in a room by yourself doing this. So I really do appreciate everybody who came out, everybody who shared, everybody who told everybody. I know you could have been doing anything tonight, and I appreciate you came out and spent the time with me. I do appreciate your attention. Until the next podcast, crush it.